Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. I'm Bertie Brits and it's an honor for me to minister to you today. Today I'm going to be preaching about a brand new mindset, the birth of a new logic that took place in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that absolutely awesome to know that God loves us and that God has come to bring forth a new mindset, a new way of thinking, where we are not living by a slave mentality, but where we are living by the mentality of the throne room. In today's message, I'm going to be talking about how we can get it right or how God made it possible for us to think inside the logic of God, to think the way God thinks, the logic that is true in the Trinity, and um, to, <clears throat> to have access to that and to live by that, to think inside the logic of God. This is what this message is going to be all about. Now in our previous session we were talking about Luke chapter 20, 24 and we spoke about the resurrection of Jesus and how he appeared to his apostles and what took place there. Now I want to go back to that chapter and I want to continue and take it from there into 2 Corinthians 5 and then we're also going to read a passage that's not that well, that used to be part of the Bible that was taken out um, and is still in the Apocrypha. And we're going to read something in uh, Third Corinthians, the third letter to the Corinthians that Paul wrote. So those of you that watch this, that uh, use a Catholic Bible, um, that's got the Apocrypha, you will find it in there um, as well. Now, just as a start, I'm not saying that we can use things outside of what we call the Bible to contradict the Bible, but whatsoever is outside of the Bible that confirms what the Bible says, I'm sure is good to, to use and show what is being said. Glory to God. So today is going to be a wonderful day, a challenge for some, and I know that this will bring forth a power inside you wherein you are saying, like the Apostle Paul said, that it is the power of the resurrection. It is not my own power. It is the power of the resurrection bringing forth a brand new life in us. You know, in our lives, we, um, <coughs> we know that God loves us. I think there are many people that don't know that God loves them. They think that God judges them, that God is sin conscious and so forth. But I would take that most people that are watching this in our internet church today is uh, watching this from the perspective of, I know God loves me. I know God is good towards me. I know that God doesn't have evil thoughts towards me or that he uh, would be sin conscious or any of that. Yet we can still experience certain, in certain areas of our lives defeat where we are saying this is not what I am supposed to experience. Now I want to come and I want to say to you that there are there is a power that is so great that you will be astonished to see how God, by His doing, sets you free. Not by you trying to obey the law, not by you trying to do a new thing, not by you having hands laid on you and having another devil cast out of you. Uh, none of those things, but where it comes from the foundation of that which God has planned from the beginning, finding its root in you and growing in you and bringing forth fruit. This morning in our uh, church here in Malmesbury, I was talking about signs, wonders and miracles. And signs, wonders and miracles is an absolute necessity in the church. 
And that is what we open our hearts for. That is what we want to see. And we are grateful for the sign and the wonder and the miracle. And you will also see and experience by the message of the resurrection, the message of what God has accomplished, signs, wonders, and miracles in your life. And you will say, this is simply God and no one and nothing else. That is what you will experience. And the greatest thing of this, of it all is that the sign is not the destination. You know, you can have Imagine I've got a room full of road signs. I've got a sign that says Malmesbury is 50 kilometers. I've got a 100 kilometer per hour sign. I've got a, a sign that says turn left. I've got all those signs in a room. Those signs, you know, is not the destination. It's just a sign that's on the road. And sometimes you might be on the road and you miss a sign. I've, I've missed a speed sign where it says, well, it's 100 and goes down to 60. I've missed that, you know, but it doesn't mean I'm not on the road. I'm still on the road. So I want to say to you that you might be at a place where you're not experiencing a sign, but that is not a sign that you're not on the road. Know that. <laughs> Glory to God. So what I want to say is that God is a good God, that He loves us, that He's for us, and that through this message of the resurrection and what is done for us, He by His power will bring forth a brand new life in us and set us free from things in our lives that we think we could never be set free from. There are people that are watching right now that might be suffering from depression. You might have been suffering from depression for 20 years. Being on medication, you've experienced that as just part of your life. I want to say to you, without you trying to be free from that and simply understanding this message and having an open heart for this, you will see through faith and patience how you inherit what God has accomplished in the finished work of Jesus Christ and how freedom comes. Glory to God. Now, our life is not defined in if we get free today or not, but our life is defined in the finished work of Jesus. Yet that new life is God's doing when He brings forth that life. And that's what I want us to see. I want us to see the new logic that Jesus Christ has brought forth. And the reason, I've said this in many of the messages that I've preached, those of you that watch this on television, because our web church message that we have on a Sunday is also aired on different TV stations. Um, I've said this many times. The reason why I put a focus on the resurrection is because of the power thereof. The Bible says that it is the message of the resurrection and as we have come to an understanding and believe that truth, it is the power of God unto salvation. That's what it is. It is the power of God unto salvation. And that salvation has got such a great scope that it even includes being saved from physical death, even if you have died, wherein your physical body shall actually be restored and raised up. As a matter of fact, that is the point of departure. That truth is from where all life flows. You know, God is a God that has come to give us a brand new life by His doing. And He has made it possible for us to see what He can accomplish 
in Jesus Christ, when He raised Christ from the dead. Now let's get right into the message. <coughs> I just want to give that introduction so that you can have an expectation and knowing that we are not, I'm not preaching this because we want to bring forth a revelation that is different than others. Uh, my identity and, and the identity of any preacher should not be in trying to be different than others. The reason why this is preached, because it is the power of God. Through this belief, we, we are experiencing the power of the Almighty God. That is what it's about. And this is how we, and this is how, yeah, this is how we experience salvation. Right, so <clears throat> I'm going to start off by just going to Luke here. And um, if you read from verse 30 to about 34, you will find it's the account where Jesus appeared to the people that were on the road to Emmaus. And he appeared to them and they had an encounter with him and they said, man, that was the Lord. And then they went to the other 11 and it says, he, and it says that he went to them or they went to them and said, the Lord is risen. I'm picking up from verse 34 now. The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told the what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. In other words, by the breaking of bread, they realized this is Jesus. That's what took place. So they said, man, we saw Jesus, but when they saw him, they didn't see him in the bodily form that they knew him. He appeared to them in some form. They didn't see who he was, but by his actions, they knew this is really him. And um, he said that this was really the Lord. Now they heard them saying that and what they were basically saying is the mannerisms and the actions wherein he was doing things we it had to be him it was him and as they spoke this to the other people then jesus stood there in the midst of them and said unto them peace be unto you but they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit so what happened is <clears throat> Back then, in those days, uh, it was commonly known that, and it was a common phenomena, and even today it is, where people, after a loved one died, or uh, yeah, died, they, they would come and say, well, we've seen his spirit. And what happened here was that they thought that they saw a spirit. They didn't even see that they say that they saw the spirit of Jesus. They just thought that they saw a spirit. And this was now Jesus appearing to them. Here was Jesus standing physically in front of them, and they are thinking, we are just seeing a spirit. And then he said unto them, why are you so troubled or afraid? And why do these thoughts arise in your hearts? Why are you thinking this is a spirit? So the logic that Jesus had, the way he was thinking all the time, was that he was sharing with them that on the third day he would rise again. And then he rose and appeared to them, and now they're thinking it's a spirit. And then Jesus said, why are you so stressed? It was kind of, didn't I tell you this is going to take place? And still inside their mind, they couldn't believe that. It was difficult for them. And then he says, why do these thoughts arise in your heart? Why are you even thinking? that I am just a spirit. Sadly, today, we still find people, even in the church, 
fallen into a form of Gnosticism wherein they say that Jesus' resurrection was a kind of a physical resurrection, they're not sure, but that he anyway shed his body and became a spirit where he is today, which according to Paul would be absolute blasphemy and against the gospel. It would be, he would call that anti-Christ. Um, now he goes on, Jesus want to now get them out of this illusion that they are living in, thinking that they're just seeing a spirit. And he said, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Okay, so we see Jesus saying, the one that died, this is I. This is, the, the, this is me. It's not a different person. It is me. I, I'm now in a, a glorified state, but it is still the physical me. He says, handle me and see for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. So Jesus declared that he was not a spirit. Jesus is not a spirit. He is a physical human being. And you're now going to see why I put such an emphasis on that and why the writers of the New Testament, long after Jesus died, when they decided we have to put this in writing, they found it good to note this. Because this was the essence of the gospel. It's the essence of the good news. The physical resurrection of Jesus. That is the essence. Now it goes on and it says, And when they had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy or for amazement and wonder, he said unto them, Have you here meat? In other words, they were like amazed. We are seeing some phenomena here. We don't know, well, it doesn't sound like a spirit. It is something physical. So they were just amazed, but they were still not believing. They were still not believing the truth. Then Jesus thought it necessary to continue to press the point. This is a physical resurrection. And then he goes on and he said, <clears throat> he said, have you any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words or what is happening here. What you are seeing now. Now Jesus, when he started to eat, and they saw the physical resurrection. Because man, this cannot be a spirit. We see something physical here. And we know that no spirit can eat physical food. That is impossible. And we now seeing this, and this now confirms to their hearts that it is really Him, and that it, it was a physical resurrection, and that He conquered physical death. It would be as amazing, um, and, and the amazement in their eyes was like, if you have a loved one that died 20 years ago, and all of a sudden He appears, and now what would you think? You would think it is a vision. You would think this is a spirit. This can't be, can't be your mother that passed away 20 years ago. But here she stands in front of you. And she says, listen, touch me, I'm physical. What would you do? You would be scared. And then she said, give me some food, let me eat. And she eats and she washes the dishes. Then you will have to conclude that this is a 
this is really her. She's physically, that would now change your mind from this is spiritual into this is something that we're not used to. This is something brand new. And right there, you would start to think completely differently now about death. Why? Because you see this physical resurrection. We have many people say, no, I've had an appearing of this person or that person, or I saw a vision of or that. that. What about, because in our minds, we can still say, oh, you know, um, and because we think that people are spirits, we would say, well, even if his body died, we can still see him in a spiritual form or we can still have like Moses and Elijah appear or something like that. But we cannot understand this physical resurrection. And here Jesus comes and he wants to change their minds. And he says, give me some fish, give me some honey. And he did eat. And then he said, these are the words which I have spoken unto you. So what I was saying to you all the time and what I've been teaching to you all the time and what my whole ministry was about all the time was what you are now seeing. And while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Thus it's written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. So what's happening here? When they could understand, and this is still in what I've said last week, when they could understand the physical resurrection, then their minds were opened unto the scriptures. Because the scriptures was written unto and is fulfilled in Jesus being raised from the dead. So, if all the scriptures point to the resurrection and the victory of Christ over sin and death, and we're going to look into the next passage pointing that, pointing that out now. When all the scriptures point to that, and we want to interpret these scriptures from the sideline, we will struggle to understand them. But when they saw Jesus was physically raised from the dead, then the revelation of this physical resurrection was the opening of their minds to understand the scriptures. So now from that point they can look back at the old and see how every scripture points to the victory of Christ over sin and death where it includes us. So I want to say this, the point from where we understand scripture is the resurrected Jesus and the message and the truth it brings to us. That is the foundation from where we look at scripture, from where we understand everything. Now listen to this. So <clears throat> that, well, let, let me first get into that word opened. I don't want to miss this. He opened, verse 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. How did Jesus open their understanding? By proving the physicality of his resurrection. And then he said, remember I told you I'll be raised on the third day. And then the apostle Paul, according to 1 Corinthians 15 said, that the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus was raised according to the scriptures. So the scriptures pointed to that, the scriptures pointed to his death and the victory that he would bring to us. Now, when that physical resurrection was proven and in their minds there was no shadow of a doubt, 
they had to then look at Scripture from that perspective. And that is how He opened their minds. So I want to say this. As long as what you are still, and some people say, why am I hammering on this? There are sects and there are cults that are preaching that Jesus was not physically and is today not in a physical body, but that he's just a spirit. Now, if that is your understanding, you, like the apostle, like Jesus said to the Sadducees, you don't know the scriptures, neither the power of God. And I'm not saying that in an ac accusing you at all. I don't want to accuse. I want to just speak it for what it is. Here, Jesus comes and he opens their mind by showing them what is done. Now you might say, but how does that pertain to me? How does that change my situation if I'm going through a difficult time and so forth? Here we now getting to that. <clears throat> he says, thus it is written, and thus it behoved the Christ to suffer and raise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. So he opened their minds, and then they could understand how freedom from sin would come. Now the opening of the mind that would open there means to open thoroughly, literally, as a firstborn. Now if you go and read the, um, I think it's Barnes, he says there, or Thyerwood definition says, that when your mind is open, it actually talks about the womb of a woman that is open through the birth of a man. In other words, when a, when a woman has the firstborn, the heir, when a new person is born, that's what's talking about. That is the opening there. So he opened their minds. He actually brought forth a new birth. He brought forth a new way of thinking inside them. How? By them seeing the physical resurrection and then from this physicality and the conquering of physical death, they now from that platform could look back at Scripture and see how all of Scripture now points to that. And now Jesus goes on further and He's now explaining the consequences or the effect of this physical resurrection. That's what this is now all about. So, what happens? We're talking about the birth of a new logic. The logic of the old was that man had to be set free from his sins and the system whereby man would be set free from sin was the law. So in other words, the way the old people thought, the law people thought, and now so many people still think like that. We think uh, by having new government, we're going to have a new laws and a more strict enforcing of the law. We're going to change a nation. I've got news for you. That's what the law, the, the, the best set of laws you can ever find in governing a nation is the Jewish Torah. There is nothing better than that and it is useless. It doesn't work. It cannot save man. It cannot save man from their sin. No political system will bring peace to a country or bring peace to an individual. It is impossible. It cannot work. The way God does it is by He will bring a new logic 
which is not a law-based logic. You see, if we look at, let's say we look at South Africa and we look at crime, the way we want to solve crime is, in a political way, we think, well, we have to have stricter laws, stricter if we take America, stricter gun laws, stricter this law, stricter that law. If we take South Africa, stricter laws on crime, stricter laws on this and that. And we then are actually saying that the law will get sin out of our country. That's what we are thinking. We are thinking that the law will get sin out of our country. And that is not true. Now, that was the Old Testament way of thinking. Let's get back to the Bible. In the Bible ways, they thought that if you just keep your eyes on the law, your path and your, your, your foot will be away from evil. But Paul described in Romans 7 that that is not true and that the way that seemed to be unto a sin-free life was not the way. And now Jesus comes and he was physically raised from the dead and he presented a brand new logic as pertaining to how to be set free from sin and death. That is what it is actually all about. And he brought a resurrected human being and from this resurrected human being their minds are now opened up unto how man will be set free from what's destroying his life. That is what it is actually all about. And that's what we need to, um, we need to know and understand. Now, <clears throat> let's read on. Let's read, read verse 46. We are talking the power of God here, church. That's what we're busy with now. It says, And he said unto them, This it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead in the third day. And then there, if you read the King James there, you'll see a colon there. And now it is explaining further. It is saying, and that, or we can even use the and there, so that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name amongst all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So what is he saying now? He's now saying that man will not depart from evil anymore. Man will not be set free from sin anymore in observing the law and in trying to put his flesh under, in trying to obey commandments, but that in the name of Jesus, or other words, in, um, in the authority and in the victory that he has achieved, as our logic is not a law logic anymore, but our logic is the logic of God that has conquered sin in the flesh, and wherein we see our union with that, from that logic we can now repent. Repent there in the Greek, metanoia, to have a change of mind. So what he's saying is, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he proved to his apostles that he was really raised from the dead, and as they believed in this physical resurrection, a new logic was born in them. The Bible says he opened their minds widely. A new way of thinking was born in them. That's what John 3 is also all about. I don't know if we'll get time to get into that. But a new way of thinking was born in them. And they saw, ah, these scriptures 
didn't point to Jesus being the Messiah trying to uh, uh, save man from the oppression of the Romans, but that these scriptures actually pointed to the Messiah conquering death. Wow, we have got a brand new way of thinking. Our whole definition of the Messiah, a whole definition of what he has come to do, our definition of his work and what and who we are and how things will change in this world has now completely changed. And then Jesus goes on and he says that this resurrection, the scriptures pointed to this, so that and that it would be possible that a new logic as what is now being born, as their minds are now opened, that it can become available for all nations and all people. That people can now metanoia. Think with, that's what metanoia means, to think with God or to have a change of mind, a radical change of mind that that, that can take place in their lives. And that through that can be preached the repentance of, or the remission of sins, the setting free from the bondage of sin. Let me just see if I can quickly go there to um, Luke 24. I, I didn't plan to read this from the Greek, but let's just go there to verse 47, and let, let us use a bit of time and let me show you this. It says here, and that repentance, the word repentance there means, a change of mind as it appears to the one who repents, or a change of purpose. A change, uh, a change of purpose he has formed or something he has done. So what he says here is, we thought that our purpose and the purpose that God had with us was to serve him, and the purpose was that we should obey the law and veer away from sin so that we one day can go to heaven. But as we now see that Jesus didn't float off in a spirit to heaven, but that he was physically raised out of the grave, we now find that our whole purpose has changed. And that especially when we realize that he's coming back. Our whole purpose is not to go to heaven anymore, but that our whole purpose is now to have a brand new life wherein he has conquered sin, wherein he has conquered death and given unto us a brand new life. Amen. That is what this is all about. Where he conquers our sin, where he conquers our death. So it says here that, uh, uh, that repentance and the remission of sin. The word remission means the release from the bondage or imprisonment. So, <clears throat> What happens is a brand new logic on how to be free from the bondage of sin, the bondage of fear, the bondage of arguments, the bondage of hurt, the bondage of all those things was now made possible by seeing Jesus physically raised from the dead. Hallelujah! Isn't that absolutely powerful? Let me read it again. Thus it is written... Um, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached 
in His name. In other words, that through His resurrection and through His authority, we can now declare to people, I can declare to people, listen, you can now be set free from everything in your life where you are not a sharer in the quality of God's life. And that is what we can expect because Jesus conquered death and everything that leads unto death. And since we are not under death anymore, but we now believe in the resurrected body of Jesus and we are made one with that body since it's a physical human body and that we are physical people, we find that we are now under life and as death from Adam trickled into us, life from Christ will now trickle into our lives, setting us free from bitterness and hatred and fear and arguments or fear, all kinds of fears. Let me give you a practical example. I know that those of you that watch in South Africa that's watching me now are from different, different political uh, backgrounds. But I want to just speak from what I experienced. In South Africa, we now <coughs> had, uh, I think it's more than 75% of the people in our government vote that the system should start. Um, you know, there was a motion brought in by one of the political parties which said that we should uh, repossess the land of farmers or land from people that are landowners without contribution. In other words, take the land from the people without contribution. Oh, com sorry, compensation. Without compensation. Thank you, my wife just helped me there. In other words, so we take the land, repossess the land, without compensating. In other words, we are not going to pay for the land, but the government is going to take all the land. That was now, that's now starting in South Africa. That is real stake on the plate reality. Now, I watched that at my computer, and I was looking at that. Now, I'm talking now about the power of the resurrection here and what the power that that has in a, in a person's life. So, I was sitting there and I watched that. And I, as I watched that, what came to my mind was Zimbabwe, wherein the same thing took place. And as I traveled through that country and I saw the beauty of how it was, I remember traveling through that after that happened, wherein there is no food in the store for a long period of time where there is the road, everything, everything falls to nothing. It's just, it's almost like empty and void. That's what's taken place. And I'm thinking, here it is now, and according to my mind, I mean, the political people in South Africa will say, well, it's not going to happen. Well, I don't want to talk politics. I want to talk about what was happening in my heart. Now, I looked at that, and I said, God, now what now? And then the Lord said to me, this was what I felt in my heart. Well, Bhakti, this cannot bring fear to you because if you think back, when you lived in a house where the cracks in the wall were so big that you had to cut the lawn on the inside of the house where people didn't want to drink out of your cups 
and ha eat with you in your house because you were too poor and the place was falling apart so much, you were living there very happy. And that same happiness you've carried from there until now and the joy you have now is not because you own property. The joy you have now is the very same authentic joy which is because of the power of the resurrection. <laughs> Hallelujah! So, now I don't have to have my life ordered by, and my peace ordered by politicians. And what has God done? God has, through the power of the resurrection, without me trying to bring forth joy in the situation, but simply looking at the resurrected Jesus, wherein Jesus has overcome all fear, where His name is higher than the name of any politician, where His name is higher than, the, than any concept, and the truth of that resurrection is where I look into, and that I am now being offered in that truth a new logic, as well as the remission of everything in my life where I am not a sharer in the quality of God's life. Hallelujah. Now, it did take God some time to get my mind and my heart into believing that and He had to convince me through many things, be it visions, dreams, preaching, people sharing and eventually understanding the resurrection and the brand new life and what is accomplished, when I now can say, well, Jesus was incarnated into dust and then as one speck of dust, a human being, He conquered, he conquered death. And from that dust, he brought forth the last Adam, the Christ, which can never die. And since he has brought that glorification, and that I'm a partaker of that, whatsoever God has brought in me, the joy, the peace, even the things in my life that was orchestrated and brought forth by the power of His resurrection can never be shaken. Never. Hallelujah. Whatsoever is brought of God into my life can never fall. My joy cannot be taken from me. His life is my life. Can you see how the power of the physical resurrection, wherein God has physically conquered death now, and where I say I'm a partaker of that, how God now in this physical body brings forth life, brings forth joy, brings forth peace. Hallelujah. Amen. That is what this is all about. This is what He is given to us. Glory to God. Let me read this again. Oh, let me go to the next passage. This is going to be good, but I, I, I just want to see this here. He says, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name. Now, what is His name? The name that He conquered sin and death. What is His name? Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. So I can say to you, from the new logic, and this is what I want you to go and do. You're going to say, God, show to me your logic. Show to me what you've done for us. Show to me how I can reason from the resurrected Jesus 
and how I can see how you've conquered sin and death, where I don't have to conquer it by obedience to laws, my prayer, my fasting or anything, but where it's a physical resurrection. Since I'm a physical man and you have physically been raised, I can find a physical change take place inside even the chemicals in my body, my way of thinking, wherein I've got a new logic, a new reasoning, where things are really made new. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ constrains us. I've always preached that as constraints, as compelled, but that is not what the Greek means. The, the word constraints actually means to keep together, that you don't fall apart. It says the love of Christ keeps us together because we have this logic or this judgment that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Meaning that when Jesus died, he died away Jew and Gentile. Amen. Then verse 15 says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth love themselves, but him which died for them and rose again. Now that word unto there is just by the translator put in there to try and explain what's written there. So I'm reading it without the unto. Hear what this says. Hear the death and the resurrection. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that I can just pray for people right now. This is so, so important to understand. I thank you, Lord, as we are sitting here in the studio, me and my wife and my son, that we all together, with the people that are watching now, give our 100% focus and attention to this truth and that nothing will distract us from hearing this truth and that people can be set free, Lord. It says, for the love of Christ keeps us together because we are of the judgment that if one has died, then we're all dead, meaning ending the death, the, 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 the separation between Jew and Gentile, as well as ending and dying away our old way of thinking and the law man, the man of sin, the body of death of Romans 7. Then verse 15, and that he died for all, that word for all, 2 Corinthians 5 actually doesn't mean as a propitiation, but it means over. It, it's the word hyper. He died over, ruling over all, that they which live should not henceforth live themselves. Remember last week's message, and I've got to wrap this up. Last week's message, we said that man is made from dust, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would actually be that you live yourself. You live and you will have eternal life yourself. That's living yourself. And that's what took place there. Man was saying, I, by the power of dust, will live myself. And that was the logic of the law. The old law as perceived by man. If you don't see the resurrection. That's the logic of that law. And they thought that we will live ourselves and ourselves by obedience to rules will live and attain to life. Remember, the old law system was trying to give people life. This is the way that leads, the way they thought would lead unto life. Not heaven, life. Meaning not to die. Physically die, to have life. That's what they understood. <laughs> Amen. We've made 
Gnosticism, such a big thing in the church. Um, and we have missed the message of the resurrection. So now, he goes, he says, and that he died for all, or that he died ruling over all, that they which live should not henceforth live. It says you're unto themselves, or but you can take the unto out and just say live themselves, but actually him which died and rose again. So what he's saying is, as we're beholding the physical resurrected Jesus, and that becomes our logic on how sin is conquered. We will not live ourselves anymore, meaning we will not bring forth the death of flesh anymore, for we have now been recreated into a new form of life, which is the resurrected Jesus, which can never die. And from that truth and logic, we find sin being conquered in our life. Church, I want to say this to you. Every person watching me, I don't care if you're old or young. I don't care what your view is about politics or anything like that. But I want to say to you, there is no other way unto life but this truth there is no other way there is nothing because every other way outside of a message where your god or your belief whatever it is is found in you living yourself and not the almighty god that has conquered sin and death living you or where he is living, will never succeed. It will not give you peace. It will not give you joy. You can sit and meditate in Buddhism until you blew in the face. You will never have the life that God has intended, for you are living unto yourself. When our logic changes into from, when our logic changes from trying to love everybody into the logic that the old man has died and that there's a physical resurrection which is not a spiritual thing it's a real thing which is true about us when that logic changes and we interpret the we, we have a repentance of logic plus we find our minds in our minds that new birth takes place and from there we seeing the remission of sins not the forgiveness as in the sense of, oh well, God's forgiving you because he's not keeping something against you. But actually the deliverance or the setting free from it. Amen. Then we will find what he says here, that that can now actually be preached. So what is preached, what is, what is mentioned in the gospel is this. Jesus was physically raised. And from the physical resurrection, that physical resurrection needs to become your logic. And sadly in the church, the physical resurrection of Jesus plays a very small role in people's doctrine they preach every Sunday. The resurrection is not even mentioned. And I'm not, even, I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody. I'm trying to just share a truth here that can change people's lives. Now I want to read from 3 Corinthians here. And this is the last five minutes I'm going to do this. It says, they, the Corinthians wrote a letter to Paul and said, Paul, there are two guys here that's preaching a message that none of the apostles, neither you, preach to us. 
And then they mention different things there. And one of the things was that they say that there is no physical resurrection of the dead, meaning that the people's ashes or dust or whatever, bones, that it will be raised into a new form of physicality as Jesus was. There were people preaching that that is not so anymore. And then Paul now writes back answering that. Paul, what do you say about this? This is what Paul says. He says, and if we um, must not, uh, we actually says, uh, let me start here with Jonah. It says, you know how Jonah, the son of Amethy, when he would not preach to them that were Nineveh, but fled, was swallowed by a sea monster. After three days and three nights, God heard the prayer of Jonah out of the lowest hell, and no part of him was consumed, not even a hair or an eyelash. How much more, O you of little faith, shall he raise you that have believed in Christ, just as he himself arose in the same way, a dead man who was cast upon the bones of the prophet Elijah by the children of Israel, and he arose both body and soul and bones and spirit, or arose in his body. How much more shall you who have been cast upon the body and the bones and the spirit of the Lord, and how much more, O you of little faith, shall you which have been cast on him rise again in that day, having your flesh whole, just as he rose? <laughs> Do you see, the problem with man is death. Since our bodies are dying, we don't have the ability to by ourselves have eternal life. That's why God had to bring a system wherein He conquers that and wherein as we believe in Him, the truth about His physical resurrection had to be physical because we're physical. That had to be true, conquering sin and death. And as that becomes the logic from where we reason in everything, we find that He conquers our sins in the here and now as well as it says, if a dead man was thrown on the bones of Elijah and he rose up, how much more us who are thrown on the bones of the resurrected Jesus, how much more will he not raise us up in that day to be raised just as he was? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I've come to the end of this message and I want to thank you so much for watching. Um, and let this be something that you can ponder upon and think upon. It is absolute good news. Father, I stretch forth my hands and I thank you that the people that are watching are blessed and that enlightened mind comes to them where they will have the light of life and re reason from there. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching and I will see you again next week. If you want to watch these messages, go to my website, dynamicministries.com or bertiebritz.com and make sure you get to get these messages out all for free. Glory to God. God bless.